I'm doing well, Brady. It's starting to feel a little bit more like a normal week here at Gillette Stadium, so that's a good thing. You know, what has been the tone of the week? You know, I've, I've been following all of your reporting, watching all of the video clips. It certainly has seemed different to this point. No question. And certainly early in the week, I would say that was definitely the case, very obviously the case. Uh, and it remains the case to a degree. But I have noticed a difference, I would say, between uh, Thursday and Friday, the two days that we have been allowed in the locker room. This week, whereas on Thursday, even though we did have some good news on Tamara Hamlin at that point, it was still a relatively somber locker room, is how I would describe it. And again, people were hopeful that good news would continue to pour in, but it did feel as though this was still weighing on the Patriots here, you know, just as football players, as, as uh, guys who may have questions about the game and their job uh, that they didn't have before Monday night. Uh, as guys who have great relationships with their teammates and trying to put themselves in the shoes of other Buffalo Bills players, watching Tamar Hamlin go down and how heavy that was for them, and then trying to also factor in that they're going to go play these guys in a few days, and they're going to compete with them, and they're going to hit them, and they're going to try to inflict some level of punishment on these, these players that they have a lot of sympathy for right now, and there's a whole emotional hurdle there that they were dealing with. And, and I, again, I do think they, they will continue to deal with those things really through the game on Sunday. I, I did notice a change on Friday. Again, more good news on DeMar Hamlin. That was a good thing for the Patriots. It, my understanding is just not only talking to players in the locker room, but talking to other staff members here at One Patriot Place. And it's just it, it's noticeable how, how much better things feel uh, emotionally, just the, the vibe in the building has been since uh, some of the positive reporting has come out on Hamlin. So I think as he continues to progress, things feel more normal here at Gillette Stadium, although obviously it's just the entire week has been a week unlike really any that, that anybody's experienced here. You know, Phil, we've talked a lot this week about how all players are doing mentally, and I certainly think that that is very understandable. Um, I guess I also wonder if the DeMar Hamlin incident causes any hesitation among players in terms of how they play. And what I mean is, do you think we see players, not just on the Patriots, but around the league, alter, you know, trying to barrel over a defender for the extra yard, a, a tackler more willing to get out of the way rather than take on a guy head on. Do you think we see any players make even subconscious alterations to how they play this week? I think it'll depend on the player. And I think it'll also be really hard to know until we get to the game on Sunday. I think it'd be impossible in some ways for even the players themselves to know how they're going to handle those situations. But I, I had the same question you did and, I went and spoke to Jabril Peppers in the Patriots locker room today, who I thought would be a good person to ask that kind of question to, not only because he plays safety, as Samir Hamlin does, but because of the nature of his playing style. I mean, this guy is a hitter. He's an explosive hitter. And he he acknowledged, you know, the way he plays the game had him thinking, you know, I think probably in a different way than, than many others, about how he approaches his job. And he did, though, also add that he is he's tough, he's explosive, he's gritty, he's not going to change. And he, he can't change because that's just who he is 
as a football player. So uh, I think while it, it does give him pause to see something like what happened on Monday, he also, the way he described it is, it's such a essentially fluky thing that happened. And it's, it's so rare to see that, that he's going to continue to try to approach his job in the way that he always has. But again, until we get to the game on Sunday, I think, you know, it's hard to say for sure how anybody's going to react. Phil Perry, Pat's Insider, NBC Sports Boston, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, getting ready for Patriots and Bills. Phil, as far as I'm concerned, this game goes one of two ways and one of two ways only. The Bills are are behind a raucous crowd and playing for a cause greater than themselves, and they blow the Patriots out 44-6, to or... The Bills just aren't as ready to play as they say they are, and the Pats win an ugly slog 17-10 to 10 or something like that. I really see no in-between in this game. How do you read it? Yeah, I guess the, the, the in-between would be sort of what we saw on that Thursday night game in, in Week 13 where the Patriots did. You know, they held them below their season average in terms of scoring 24 points, but the Bills really dominated that game they dominated time of possession they almost doubled up the Patriots in terms of that time of possession metric so uh that was a that was a one-sided affair even though at the end of the game it's you know it's a scoreboard would tell you it was two possession game didn't really feel like that so I guess that would be what it would look like if it did fall somewhere in between there I think the way it's going to end up going is is probably that the Bills are going to get out to uh such an emotional start that I, I think if they happen upon a couple of positive plays, you could really ride those like a tailwind mm. to an incredible start. And that would put the Patriots in a bad situation in a variety of ways. You know, number one, they're not really built to come from behind given where their offense is right now. And number two, you know, the crowd noise, I think is going to be a factor. You know, this is a team that has, has struggled with its organization offensively, at least getting to the line, getting things off on time, having people understand what their assignments are down to down. They've had a hard time with that at Gillette Stadium when the crowd knows to shut up when they have the football. And so, that you know, you factor in what could be incredible volume at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, and that could be a really bad recipe for this Patriots offense. I think, I think there is a realistic way to keep it close. You know, maybe partly it's it's due to whatever emotions that the Bills are feeling on their end of things, and maybe there's some exhaustion um, on their end, which would be completely understandable. But in terms of X's and O's and the football side of it, his Patriots pass rush is really impressive. And, you know, the Bills have not always had things shored up along their offensive line. They also have had turnover issues this year. So... If you can get a great game from Matthew Judon and Josh Uche and Christian Barmore and Dietrich Wise, you know, those four are your best players, period, across the roster. If you can get all of those guys going at the same time and maybe, you know, come up with a strip sack, force a pick because you got a hit on Josh Allen, you know, those are things that we know this defense is capable of. And you're probably going to have to score defensively or on special teams to to be in this game, maybe more than once. (laughs) Uh, But I I do think where they – could have an advantage is with that specific matchup, their pass rush against the Bills offensive line. You know, Phil, I keep going around in circles with myself on this because I say, ah, the Pats are winning a lot of games because their defense and you can't count on turnovers and defensive touchdowns are fluky and, and you can't 
recreate them week after week. And oh, by the way, they're beating a lot of backup quarterbacks, but oh, they also got Aaron Rodgers for a pick six, and they got Joe Burrow for a pick six, and they got Derek Carr for a pick six, and all these guys are good to great to Hall of Fame level quarterbacks. So I keep talking to myself into circles here, but I find it hard to believe that you can just rely on defensive and special teams touchdowns, even though the Pats have proven this season that apparently you can. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, though, Brady. I mean, over time, can you really? In today's NFL, can you really? Uh, that's where I continue to fall. Now, they, they have, and they have over an extended period of time. But now you're into the point of the year where if you somehow get into the postseason, you're seeing the Bills in Week 18. You're seeing the Bills or the Bengals or the Chiefs in the wild card round, like against good teams, against really great offenses, which is what these teams are. Can you consistently come up with those types of defensive scores and depend on those types of mistakes from those teams week after week after week? It's, it's not impossible. And again, they've, they've proven that over the course of the last month, they can score on a weekly basis. But I would say it's highly unlikely. So for that formula to be a sustainable formula, for me, is, is a hard one to believe in. How good is Kyle Duggar? I think he's really good. I think he's really good. Is he great? No. Nope. Is he on track to be a Hall of Fame player? No. No, no, no. Is he, is he an all-pro even? No, he's not there yet. But I think he's really good. I, I just think he has a rare combination of physical traits that uh, have always, really, since the moment he came into the league, have been special. You know, Adrian Phillips, who played with Derwin James with the Chargers, said in September of Duggar's rookie year that the only guy that he was reminded of when he watched Kyle Duggar practice was Derwin James. And that is high, high praise. He had already had an All-Pro uh, award to his name, I believe, by that point in time. And, and he's going to be a special player in the league for a long time. Uh, but what you're seeing now is the, the mental side of things catch up to all that physical ability that Kyle Duggar has. You know, he does a lot of tape study. He learned a lot, I know, from Deb McCourty in terms of how to read formations. And you saw it. You know, it was a pretty simple-looking play, but you did see that tape study and, and all of the work that he has done in that regard comes to fruition with that pick six against the Raiders, just to see that formation, see that motion, understand what was coming, and be able to make a break on the football and, and, and turn in a game-changing play. So as soon as, as that stuff I think hits even another level. There's no question he has the physical ability to be a great player in this league. But I think he probably, you know, and this would be understandable coming from the Division Two level, for him to get another year or two under his belt and, and really refine his understanding of NFL offense, I think that's when you'll see him take off. And I, th- I think that's why he has the potential to be uh, a great player in this league. He's, he just, that, that role, which is a really important role, of being able to play around the line of scrimmage, impact the run game as well as the pass. You know, there are some things that I think he's he's still deficient at uh, when it comes to, I think, tracking the football in the deep part of the field. I think running with tight ends sometimes deep down the field. Um, we've seen him have some issues there uh, in man-to-man coverage. But, man, if, if he can just pick up a few more techniques and and really zero in on – the mental aspect of things and become, you know, a Devin McCourty as far as a strong safety position, or even a Patrick Chung, who was a really smart player, but wasn't as physically gifted as Kyle Duggar is. You know, if you can get on that level mentally, I, I think his game will take off and, and he'll reach even, you know, greater heights. 
Phil, get you out of here on this. You've been at practice and locker room availability, so I don't know if you've heard the good Patriots conspiracy theory today, but uh, Colin Cowherd put out uh, earlier today that he thinks that uh, basically the Panthers or the Broncos could woo Belichick away with a blank check. They could just buy Belichick out from the Patriots, and Albert Breer said on 98.5 The Sports Hub uh, in their midday show earlier that uh, the only way he sees that happening is if Robert Kraft tries to exert more control and Belichick says, uh-uh, I'm out. What do you make of the uh, the new development today? <laughs> I would be stunned. I would be stunned if he ends up in Carolina with a bad roster and a bad market with a with an owner who uh, I don't think has has made himself a great reputation early in his tenure as Carolina owner. Uh, that would be wild to me, but I guess money talks. Uh, and, and I'm with Albert. You know, this is a guy who has a pretty good setup here. As much as people believe that, you know, there would be some friction, and as soon as Robert Kraft exerted any kind of pressure, i.e., hey, Bill, you need to figure out your offensive coaching staff for next year. We can't run it back with the same group. I think there are some people who assume that Bill would bail as soon as he hears that, and I, I know for a fact he doesn't like being told what to do, and so there exists that possibility. I also know that the setup here is pretty good, and his sons are on the staff, I'm not saying that he couldn't bring them somewhere else, but they all live here. You know, They want a vacation on Nantucket. They want to be able to, to live the life that they have built and that Bill has built over the last two plus decades here and, and the program, he wants, you know, they want to see this thing through. It's really hard to restart a program and try to redevelop a culture in a new place that has taken a long, long time uh, to build to, to the point where you want it. And it's, it's always in need of tweaking. There, there are constant adjustments that need to be made. I think they're going to face massive adjustments next year. Obviously they did, when Tom Brady left, but you could be facing a season without guys like Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater. And then you've really lost the link to those old Patriots championship teams. When those guys go, you know, you had the Rabels and the Brewskis and the Seymours and they sort of passed the torch to, to Will Fork who won a championship with them in 04 and Will Fork was here through 14. And then you've got, you know, he's really the link to McCourty and Slater and, and that era of Patriots champions. You know, David Andrews is still around, and he'll be able to kind of carry that forward with this group, but um, it's it's going to be different. And so, you know, those are the kinds of things that will always be a challenge, but I don't know if he's really looking for for more challenge on top of that, you know, with a, with a fresh start uh, in Denver. You know, that's just, t- to me, that, that, that doesn't seem realistic. Phil Perry, Pat's Insider, NBC Sports Boston, Patriots, Bills. Our coverage Sunday at 10. Their coverage pregame live is at noon. I encourage you to listen for the first two hours and then watch their coverage for the final hour as well. They're the best on TV. Phil, we will talk next week. Uh, It's either our wrap-up talk for the year or a playoff preview. We'll find out by Sunday at about 4.30. Sounds good, Brady. Talk to you then, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, Phil. Brady, thanks, buddy. Yep. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Yep, see ya. All right, man. Take care. Bye.